Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians 2 called Making Proper Appraisals. Have you ever had your house appraised before? Raise up your hand. Now, when you have an appraisal done, it's kind of an interesting process. There's a guy that shows up to your house. You don't know who this person is typically. He shows up with a camera to begin take, taking photographs of your property. If you've ever been home when the appraiser showed up, you kind of find yourself in a position where you want to explain some things. <laughs> Anybody? Like, okay, well, that fence over there, that, that fell down and, you know, in 1998, it was a strong wind, and I haven't quite got to that yet. And, oh, please don't open the door to that bedroom. That child never makes their bed. They haven't washed clothes in three and a half years. I don't even know what's living in that room. You know, please. So the appraiser goes through your house and takes photos of your backyard. And usually there's something at stake. What's at stake when an appraiser comes to your house? It's a loan. <laughs> maybe you want to refinance your house and that kind of thing, or maybe you're going to sell your house, and the appraiser's singular job is to report back to some financial institution the value of your property. Now, he does take other data into uh, account. He takes comps in the area, similar properties to yours, size and location and all of that, and he comes up with a report, and ultimately his job is to appraise the value of your property. And if he appraised it at the amount that you needed, you're good to go. But if the appraisal comes in low, <laughs> you're in trouble. That's what appraisers do. Well, this section is about making proper appraisals. As a Christian, you can now appraise life. You can now assess value where God says it really matters. And as a believer, that's what God is doing in your life and my life. He wants you to see beauty and value where it really matters in his eyes. He wants you to read his report about life. He wants you to be on the same page about how he values people and love and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control. He wants you to see that the things that he finds beautiful, he wants you to find beautiful. The things that he wants you to fight for, he wants you to fight for because they're valuable to him. So there's a beautiful adventure as a Christian of getting to know God's heart. Once you're born again of the Holy Spirit, that's a wonderful reality. God comes into your life. He forgives your sin. You're born again to a living hope. But being born again is just the beginning. Amen? Then you get to grow. And God begins to show you things through his eyes. So many beautiful and wonderful things that he shows all of us. You see, the appraiser's job is to assess value. How do you think someone becomes a good appraiser? Probably time and experience and some expertise. And this is going to take time for each of us. We are going to learn from mistakes. We're going to learn from doing things the wrong way. And hopefully, we can begin to put value where value really matters. We were up at the men's retreat um, a few weeks back. And it just was on my heart to say to the guys, you know, you only have so much time to love your wife. 
If you're married this morning, you ha- only have so much time to love her well. What are you doing to love her well? How many days do you let just slip by you? Now, if you're not married, it may be somebody else that God's calling you to love well. But we so easily take things that are valuable for granted. And so we need to be able to appraise the most important things in life through God's eyes. And the Holy Spirit is the ultimate appraiser, if you will, to show us how this works. Notice in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, Paul has been contrasting the world's wisdom or the world's spirit, sometimes called the zeitgeist of the world, the spirit of the world. When he says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 2, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith, 1 Corinthians 2.5, should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So Paul's been contrasting the world's philosophical wisdom, if you will, with God's wisdom. Blaise Pascal, the great 17th century mathematician and philosopher, was a man who was seeking God. One evening he had an overwhelming experience with the living God and he wrote these words, quote, I have met the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, not of the philosophers. There's a time when each of us, hopefully we can mark the day, some of you grew up in the church, when you could say, I met the living God. It was beyond just head knowledge of God It became relational. And that's really what we're talking about. You can know things about somebody, but not know them. You can know facts about a person, but not know them. I know things about our president, but I've never met him before. I know things about our governor in California. I've never met him before. You can have facts without a relationship. And that is true in your uh, journey through this life with God. You can be a church member. You can have data, but you may not know God. And so many of the the Greeks and those who lived in Rome and so forth could say they had a knowledge of the spiritual. You may run into people at your work or at school who say, I'm a spiritual person. They're not atheists. But the question is, do you know the living God? Is the Holy Spirit living inside of you showing what He really values? And so Paul says, yet... We do speak wisdom. It's not that we don't among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, that is not, verse 6, of this age or this world, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. They are katargeo in Greek. They are coming to nothing. Literally, the word is, they are rendered completely ineffective. They are null and void. Think of all the leaders who lived in the time of the Apostle Paul. Think about the fact that they lived and died. The Herods, the Pontius Pilots of the day, the religious Jewish leadership, the Roman Senate and governors, men who seem to have so much power are now dead. They're gone. And God blows them away. You see, we live in a segment of time. And back in those times, people who lived in that day might say, wow, that's impressive, that's incredible. The Colosseum, these buildings, this temple to this god or goddess, so majestic, so much money, so much ornate design. But in the end, what's there now? Ruins, if you're lucky to find them. 
You see, they've become completely ineffective. They are null and void. God raises up one and he puts down another. God's wisdom is not temporal. It's not just philosophical, although God, ultimately, you could say philosophy and learning can lead you to the living God because he is the God of truth. But God's wisdom is eternal. And so Paul says, but this is a strong, what's called a strong adversative. It's a, it's a strong, uh, like, no, NIV, no, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages, if you have an NIV, it says before time began, to our glory. God had a plan before time began. By the way, Jesus was there before time began. In the beginning was the Word. Now, you could render that before the beginning began, because the beginning is an allusion to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God did what? He created the heavens and the earth. If you're there in the beginning or before the beginning began, then there's only one option. You're the beginner. And before time began, God had a plan. This is amazing. That included me and included you. He wanted you to know His wisdom. He wanted you to know His glory. And so He imparts wisdom to people who are hungry for it. The wisdom that is found here is what God is all about. This is from Ray Steadman. What your life really means. That cannot be discovered by man's wisdom or natural processes. It takes revelation. You cannot learn the hidden wisdom of God in school from watching TV or scrolling through social media. We cannot learn it from the news, from history, or by contemplating our navel in the lotus position. <laughs> and going, home, home. What you may find there is that you have a little extra lint in your navel, and that's about it. The hidden wisdom of God can, can and is only revealed by the Holy Spirit and by understanding His Word. In other words, the deep things of God can only be revealed by God Himself. Do you want to know them? Do you know how many people in our country have multiple Bibles on their shelves collecting dust? They don't bother to read the Scriptures, so they don't know the mind of God and they don't know the heart of God. The Bible was at the center of the early years of American history. Now, kids have to rally together on bring your Bible to school day just to get there with their Bibles. There have been children who have had their Bibles on their desk in public schools and been asked to put it away or had it confiscated because it's such a dangerous book. Right? That's where we live today, folks. But the wisdom of God is found in the Word of God, and that's why the devil tries to keep you away from your Bible. It's a sacred secret, the wisdom of God. It's musterion in the Greek. It's a truth hidden in past ages, but now revealed. And it was revealed, namely, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the living word, if you will. In times past, God spoke through the prophets in many portions, in many ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. 
Jesus is God's final revelation. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, Shane Lance here. I'm the music director at Living Truth, and I wanted to take a moment and invite you to our annual Harvest Fest. This is an event that we do every year on Halloween at 5.30 p.m., and it's absolutely free. This is great if you want to come by yourself or you want to come with the whole family. We have something for everybody. The kids will enjoy a petting zoo, balloon artists, bounce houses. There's going to be live music, games, the pumpkin patch, a photo booth, maybe even an opportunity to meet Pastor Michael. He'll be there that night, more than willing to shake your hand and say hello. So we really want to invite you to be a part of our family at Living Truth and come out this night. It's a great option if you're not super interested in going trick-or-treating with your kids. This is an awesome opportunity, and it's also a great opportunity to bring a friend. Whether they believe in the gospel or not, the gospel will be preached this night. We believe in the power of the gospel, then it will be proclaimed. So we hope that you'll join us. For more information on our Harvest Fest, go to walkintruth.com, or you can download our Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in the App Store. We really hope to see you on October 31st, 5.30 p.m. for our annual Harvest Fest. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. We cannot learn it from the news, from history, or by contemplating our navel in the lotus position. (laughs) And going, home, home. What you may find there is that you have a little extra lint in your navel, and that's about it. The hidden wisdom of God can can and is only revealed by the Holy Spirit and by understanding His Word. In other words, the deep things of God can only be revealed by God Himself. Do you want to know them? Do you know how many people in our country have multiple Bibles on their shelves collecting dust? They don't bother to read the Scriptures, so they don't know the mind of God and they don't know the heart of God. The Bible was at the center of the early years of American history. Now, kids have to rally together on bring your Bible to school day just to get there with their Bibles. There have been children who have had their Bibles on their desk in public schools and been asked to put it away or had it confiscated because it's such a dangerous book. Right? That's where we live today, folks. But the wisdom of God is found in the Word of God, and that's why the devil tries to keep you away from your Bible. It's a sacred secret, the wisdom of God. It's musterion in the Greek. It's a truth hidden in past ages, but now revealed. And it was revealed, namely, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the living Word, if you will. In times past, God spoke through the prophets in many portions, in many ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Jesus is God's final revelation. If you want to know who God is, you want to know what God is like, you want to know God's heart, you want to know God's truth, you want to know God's justice, read the Gospels. Because Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. It's an amazing record of the beauty and grandeur of who God is. One writer says, God's secret purpose of mercy has been revealed in the gospel. God has broken the silence and he has spoken. It was foreordained before the ages to our glory. Redemption is a forethought, not an afterthought. Before the world was, before man was made, before all time, 
The thought of God was upon sinners like you and me. Precisely on you and me. He had a purpose, and the purpose was to save us. Follow the broad river of salvation back to the cross of Christ, back through all the stages of its development, and you come to the last spring of infinite love in the heart of God. It was foreordained unto our glory. Here are the first and last links of the golden chain of redemption. Glory is the final completion of salvation. It is the full-blown flower of grace. But not everybody sees it. In verse 8, it says, The wisdom, this wisdom of God, which none of the rulers of this age, verse 8, has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul says this wisdom goes all the way back before time began. But in time, when Jesus came in the fullness of time to his own, many of his own would not receive him. They not only rejected him, even with miracles right in their face, but they crucified the Lord of glory. Would they have crucified him if they really knew who he was? Hmm. Interesting point, isn't it? Because I think some of them knew who he was, but they were too concerned about their positions and their nation. And what really got them to the point to crucify Jesus is one word. Here's the word. Unbelief. Unbelief will get you to do some stupid things in your life. If you wallow in unbelief, you will do silly things. The Apostle Paul knows firsthand. He says in 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. How many of you can say, man, I did so many things in ignorance of God his will and His ways. If you asked me years ago before I became a Christian, I could give you my opinion about God. This is what I think God is like. Right? One time I remember I was having a debate with a family member and I was, um, I think I was either a brand new Christian or it was just before I got saved. And I said, well, I don't, I don't really believe there's a devil. I, I, just, I just believe in God. And it's like, well, hello, where'd you get that idea? The Bible Tells, that, tells us that there's a literal devil and, and this is back at the beginning of the Bible when we fell into sin. Well, I just, I just don't think there's one. And that's my view. <laughs> Based upon what? I, I don't know. I heard somebody say it uh, one time uh, over here on this program. You see, that's just nonsense. That's uninformed. Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, sometimes it's not that we perhaps have malice toward God. It's just that we just don't understand who He is. Look at, uh, turn to the book of Acts. Just a few pages back. Go to Acts chapter 3. So here's Peter. Peter is preaching after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, a man has just been healed. And so here's, the sermon, this is Acts 3, look at verse 12. 
When Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Acts 3.12, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Acts 3.13, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate, whom he decided to release. When he decided to release him, verse 14. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. That was Barabbas. But put to death the prince of life. If you have an NIV, it's the author of life. The word is archegos in Greek. It's, the word arche in Greek is source. Jesus is the source of life. Arche is the beginning of a word in our language called architect. Jesus is the designer of life. He's the prince of life. He's the author of life. He's the architect of life. He is the origin of life. And ironically, the religious leaders in concert with Rome killed him. And on the basis of faith in his name, in the name of Jesus, the author of life, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man. Even though Jesus had died and been resurrected, he was still very much alive, whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given, this, given him uh, this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Peter says, repent therefore and return. Change your mind that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You need to change your mind about who Jesus is. He's the Lord of glory. I know you acted ignorantly in unbelief. Have you ever had a moment as a Christian, turn back to 1 Corinthians, where you reflected back on maybe your days as a non-Christian, you reflected back on the damage that you did in ignorance and unbelief? Sometimes it's hard to take. I have moments when I, when I think back to things that I know I'm forgiven for those things, but I still have deep regrets where I didn't place value where God did. I let my own comfort, my own convenience, the arguments of the world persuade me to do things that today I would consider devastating and flat out, I would say no less than abominable. But I was ignorant. I was not a believer. I did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I only could see life through human wisdom, and human wisdom can only take you so far. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was his teaching in 1 Corinthians 2 called Making Proper Appraisals. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a bit, but first, what do you think about Halloween? Do you participate? Is it just some time to have fun and take the kids out for some candy, or an opportunity to hang out and party with your friends? Is there a dark origin behind the holiday or one that has to do with Christianity? Pastor Mike will explore the history of this holiday, examine some of its modern expressions, and provide some insights on how the church can best respond. Order the DVD called Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween on walkintruth.com for $7. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. 
part of the vision of our ministry here at Walk in Truth is events that we do. We do apologetics events. We do conferences. And uh, one of the things that happened over last weekend is we did a marriage conference on a Friday night and a Saturday. And it was based upon the typical vows that we make at a ceremony. It was awesome. It was a great, powerful time together. And we had a, a couple in our radio listening family who came. And it was great to meet them. And it was great to uh, you know see how the Lord ministered to them. And, and they encouraged us as well. And that's why we do these events. We want to open it up to the listening family. You may not fellowship at Living Truth, but you're part of our church family and listening family. And hey, speaking of events, there are many things going on. I want to invite you to tomorrow night's a Wednesday night service in the book of Job. We're dealing with a problem of evil and the power of the gospel in the incredible book of Job. Job is the lesser Jesus. Jesus is the greater Job. The book of Job is about the coming of the Messiah, really. It's about someone who suffered unjustly to give us a picture of the cross and the ultimate solution to our pain in Jesus. It's the book of Job on Wednesday nights at Living Truth. You can find out information about men's and women's and young adult studies. You can find out information about everything going on in the church, much more than I can tell you right now. When you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, look for the red logo with the pillars. We would love for you to join us at one of these events and Love to meet you. So we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow to hear part two of Pastor Michael's sermon in 1 Corinthians chapter two called Making Proper Appraisals. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.